week 13. The playoff picture is closing in. Dave. We are. We're in lucky lucky number 13, my friend. It, it's crazy to think. I mean, we're, we're done basically with college football now. The regular season's over for that. In about five, six weeks, we'll be saying the same thing about the NFL. It feels like we just got started. I'm, I'm kind of getting sad already. I agree. Did you sit on your couch to have a little bit of like a, a shape from your bum? Just watching TV all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oof. I kind of felt like yeah. oof. much, much, much football was watched to the detriment of everything. You know, my marriage, my my calorie count, my nutritional level, my ABV. My, my... <laughs> I, I right, right. My blood pressure, all the above. Yeah, yep, I, yep, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, that's that's so true. But that's why we're here because we're, we're about to go into the. Spread zone. Soundstripe. Week 13, we're going to go over a quick playoff picture overview. Again, we'll start with the AFC. Just quickly, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Baltimore Ravens as the one seed. The matchups, obviously the Ravens as the one we'll have in round one. The Kansas City Chiefs now are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville Jaguars will be hosting the Cleveland Browns. That's a three versus six. And Miami will host the Pittsburgh Steelers in the hunt still. Houston Texans at six and five. Broncos at six and five, Bills at six and six, and Bengals at five and six. But I think you can kind of put them at dead to rights. Any, any kind of surprises? Obviously, there, there's a little bit of movement, Dave. But uh, you know that Houston I mean, game obviously hurt. But anything else? I think that uh, <clears throat> I think that the thing that stands out to me is like is how a couple of those teams that we already just pretty much wrote off once they lost their quarterback for the season are still hanging around there. They haven't really been punished too much, even though haven't been playing, you know, great football, but the Browns and the Colts still in the picture. If the playoffs ended today, I think, you know, what we sort of thought was going to play out with those Bengals, how dependent they are on Joe Burrow to prop them up. I think, you know, you can tell that, that, floor is so much lower for them with Jake Browning in there. But, you know, as devastating a loss as that was for the Bills, you got to you gotta think about it. you went toe-to-toe with, with the team with the best record in the NFL, and you, you should have won that game, but you could look at it by you made one or two plays more. If there were one or two less horrendous officiating, you know, calls, you, you easily should have won that game. So you if you're the Bills, you have to, to, to be telling yourself, you know, we're still – not out of it and if we continue to play that well then we will probably find a way to squeak in over some of those quarterbackless wild I mean for, for me that's a horrifying seven seed horrifying oh, yeah. like you know so for the Chiefs luckily they have I think the 28th ranked easiest schedule the rest of the way Ravens have a have a tougher schedule so that that is something to look out for I think because we'll, we'll talk more about the Bills Eagles game later on in in the podcast but I think for for me what stands out is kind of Bills really only have to deal with Denver Houston I, I see the Browns kind of fading Joe Flacco's probably going to be starting this upcoming week 
And then the Colts, I mean, Gardner Minshew, out of those two, I say Colts are going to be here for longer. They've just been really well coached, and I think they'll stay in the playoff picture, but they still have a game, game or two against the Texans, right? I think so. I need to check that. But those are, for me, That that's just my thought, I think, for, for me, honestly, the, the Colts over the Browns, just because I think they just have a little bit more in their coached a little bit better any thoughts on that my my thought you know i just i think ultimately some of it depends on the health of that that browns defense and you know it also has to be said on the health of uh dorian thompson robinson who who took that that hit and i think certainly doesn't seem like he's going to be playing this this coming week coming off of that but you know that the strongest unit in any of those between any of those two teams is the Browns defense. You know, I, I Colts defense pretty good, but nothing, you know, better than expected. Colts offense mess, especially now Jonathan Taylor is going to miss several weeks. So that one two punch with Zach Moss had been really good for them over the last couple weeks. So I would probably lean towards the Browns for that, but it just sort of depends. I, I don't know that Flacco's the answer. I think Thompson Robinson showed a little bit of something to me here in the last couple of weeks. So we'll see who is starting in three weeks there, but you know, all, Flacco doesn't need to be 2013 Flacco no, to, no, to see that. He just needs and, to and be the Amari Cooper injury, miles Garrett. I mean, they got kind of banged up yeah. against the Broncos. That's the, that's the biggest thing is if they, if they get back to full strength here quickly, I think they're the stronger team, no matter who the quarterback is. I just, you know, We'll see about the health. With them. That That's a great point. Moving on to the NFC playoff picture. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles right now are the one seed, so they would have the, the round one bye. Um, two uh, versus seven matchup would be San Francisco hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, three versus six would be Detroit Lions hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And the NFC South winner... Out of those juggernauts, Atlanta Falcons hosting the Dallas Cowboys easily. Dallas seems to be pretty locked into that. Obviously, there's there's still plenty of games to play. I think the Cowboys have a have a chance of catching the Eagles. Would have helped after last week, but I for me that matchup just seems really ideal for for a Cowboys team. Then you have the Green Bay Packers at eight at five and six. The Rams at nine, five and six. Saints five and six, and Buccaneers are four and seven. They're they're only here because NFC South. Um, those two teams personally for me. So so I really see it as I think the Packers are right back in it. I, I know we talked. To- we were just talking. Yeah, you know this this last week really could not have gone better for them. You know they get two big wins. Jordan Love really looks like he's locked in. Not only that, the the Vikings not only lose to to get back closer to the Packers, but look absolutely terrible doing so. You know, I, I don't think anyone thinks that the the Lions are necessarily catchable or anything. But you know, if you're the Packers, you you got to feel pretty strong about the way that you went and played against the leading team in your division and and beat the crap out of them that way. So it couldn't have gone any better for the Packers. They gained a lot of ground on the competition. And, you know, you gotta you got to look at them and say if they're going to continue to get that kind of play from Jordan Love, then I, I think they have a really good shot to make a run here and, and make a little playoff run at a wild card. If you're looking at the rest of the NFC, I think, I mean, the thing that stands out for me is uh, I think, well, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that 
likely the the Eagles of those power three and that in the NFC are probably the the third best of those three teams. You know, the Eagles have both of them coming up here. But I think that because of, you know, early season losses and the Eagles being able to to trip and fall their way into these wins the last couple of weeks, that may not matter because that advantage of if, you know, they're able to, to get that by, you know, it ultimately just having to play one fewer game is such a big advantage in that that meat grinder, especially now with the current setup where just the one team gets a mm-hmm. buy. But, you know, those those games that the, the 49ers dropped early in the season and that particularly that for the, if you're the Cowboys, you want to look at that loss to the Cardinals, that that's could end up just being the the difference between one of those teams having to go out there on the road to Philly and, and play a fresher Eagles team in January for the right to, to a Super Bowl. A lot to digest there in terms of, I think, with the Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys. I, I think the Seahawks just look like a team that could start fading to the Rams, I think, could play their way back into to the you know 6-7 seed. Vikings, obviously, with that tough loss last night to the Bears, and that's just not a good, good loss. Bears, just not good. Justin Fields, then- I mean... And then, but with all that being said, as bad as the, you know, regardless with, with that soft spot in the back end, and as well, looking at the Falcons there at five and six, I'm just, we'll, we'll touch on this later, but I am screaming to the, you gotta, you gotta bench Derek Carr. Like if you're the Saints, not only, you know, should you be, if your offense just does a little bit more then you should be winning that division. But let's say you can't control your destiny with Atlanta anymore. Let's say Atlanta wins out. There's no reason why you shouldn't also be able to make a run at that six or seven seed if you're the Saints. You're right there. You have a solid defense. Just, I don't know what you're doing. What is the argument for it's Dennis Allen and, D- and Derek Carr? That's the thing, right? What, like, I, yeah. I, what's the What's the argument though? Like, I, there's like, no you argument. Used to be, you used to be able to say maybe you'd be able to say Carr isn't turning the ball over and Jameis is too high risk, but Carr's throwing horrendous pick sixes, <laughs> costing you games. Yeah, maybe Jameis is going to throw some interceptions. In fact, I guarantee you, Jameis will throw interceptions, but he's also going to throw some sixty yard touchdowns which you are not getting at any touchdowns right now. So right, we'll touch on this right. later. I'm just nah, saying, and, I'm just and, saying and, when you, you look at Taysom the, Hill more like, you know, cause he's obviously something. been effect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, that, that's yeah, that that's the wildness. Of it's the right. South. It's right there. If, when you look at the playoff picture, it's just right there for the saints, either, either a home playoff game or sneaking in as a wild card is totally within your, your reach. As you mentioned, you know, the Vikings, I think, Vikings and Seahawks both look like they're maybe on the downswing. We'll see the Seahawks have an opportunity to get the ship right at Thursday night, but the Vikings, I think probably the magic done with Dobbs. So uh, it's right there. I don't know what coaches do are doing sometimes. I don't know. They make millions of dollars and what a cush job. Rosillo was going off on, on it and how he doesn't feel bad for coaches anymore because of all these buyouts, which I totally agree with him. Even though the rabid fan bases of college football is just crazy. They make so much money. It's insane. Anyways, we don't want to go down those rabbit holes, but that's the the brief overview of the playoff picture for week 13, and we'll be back in a second. Dave, let's start off with you. The 
the Thanksgiving after I ate my turkey, Washington Commanders at Dallas Cowboys fan zone time. Dak is looking good, my man. He, I, I saw his QBR is around 80 or above, and no one is closer to is I think around 68. So he's yeah, he's been yeah, killing it. Since since week six, his, his QBR is eighty point seven. No other QB in the league is over sixty eight. So I mean, you can pretty much say since that Forty ers game, I think you can comfortably say he's been easily the best quarterback in the NFL. And then if you expand that out season wide, you know his season wide QBR, first versus man coverage, first versus the blitz, second under pressure, second from the pocket, first outside the pocket, first on third down. So, I mean, you know, on the merits until proven otherwise, Patrick Mahomes obviously just sort of is the best quarterback. But if you look at it in the league, in the league this season, Dak has just as strong an argument of anyone as, as having had the best season of any quarterback in the league. You know, I think it's fascinating that the narrative seems to be this is Hertz's year to win the MVP since Hertz was much better last year than he is and this isn't year. And his stats like identical to Jordan Love's too? I yeah, believe Hertz absolutely. Is. So, and other than maybe the rushing touchdowns, right? Obviously, the Tush Bush touchdowns. And he's on pace to throw, for example, as many interceptions as Dak did last year, where the narrative was that Dak is throwing too many interceptions and killing his team. You know, I, I don't think it. it's pretty clear. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys basically would need to win out and have, the, at the very least, the 49ers win, beat the Eagles this weekend and – maybe the Eagles to drop another more to have a real shot at, at winning the division. So he's not going to win the division. He's going to be a wild card. And it's been since 2008, since a wild card, you know, quarterback won the MVP award. And mm. that was Peyton who already had a Super Bowl, already had, you know, some of those yeah. legacy things that, that, that gave him the benefit of the doubt. So he's not going to win the MVP, but he's got an argument for it. That's for sure. Um, you know, and then just, also down the field again as a as a continued sort of discussion of how much better the offense has gotten and how McCarthy and Schottenheimer have redesigned that offense on ten plus yard throws down the field since the bye he has fifty completions a thousand seventy six yards thirteen touchdowns zero picks and one hundred and forty eight point six passer rating which all is first in the league so they're pushing the ball down the field they're not dinking and dunking it and and they're just they're just you know throwing it all over teams at this point. Also, you know, was screaming earlier in the season for to reduce Michael Gallup's snaps and in, in favor of Jalen Tolbert and maybe get some more touches for Kevante Turpin. And, you know, the last the last couple games combined, Tolbert has more snaps than Gallup and more snaps than him in each game as well as combined. So you saw a long touchdown pass to Turpin. He has 10 catches on he only has 10 catches on the season but eight of them for first downs and three touchdowns so Huge. i mean he's he's been a big target for Dak especially on third down so i mean those that that's what you want to see from the offense learning and looking at guys and saying this isn't working we got to maybe reshift that that snap you know a lot and Derek Carr. <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, just even with wide receivers, we've been talking about it all year yeah. with the Chiefs as well. Uh, same. Um, yeah. I'll go into my, yep. Same thing. Right. Yep. So that's, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say they, I think they really did fully expect a year two off the injury that Gallup would, you know, be back to him, his old self, but you know, it became clear he still wasn't that guy and 
they've adjusted, which is all you can ask for ultimately from them. It took them maybe a little longer than I, than I would have liked, but they've done it now. And then again, it's almost like we talked about when they played the, the Giants, when you're playing same how, not too much to take away from the defense. Obviously all the talk about Bland breaking that record for pick sixes, um, but just in general on the season, just, I mean, he's just been remarkable, I think. You know, I, I would say Trayvon Diggs last year was much better than two years ago. Uh, but one of the things he was picked apart for two years ago was, uh, you know, you could beat him down the field when yep. he wasn't getting all those interceptions. But that's not the case with Bland this year. You know, he's been targeted 59 times on the season. And the quarterbacks in those 59 snaps would have been better off just throwing the ball right at the ground. The, the passer rating would have been better if they had just done that and a net negative has been produced of four to four touchdowns against the offense rather than scoring touchdowns on him. So you're literally giving up points at this point by throwing the ball against bland on the season, you know, so he's been, he's been terrific, you know, turn really developing into a shutdown corner. So that's what you want if you're that defense. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're not going to learn too much against Sam Howell, but it is what it is. They, they, they are rough. I mean, like you had texted about during, what, the 49ers-Seahawks game, like they couldn't use Chase Young. Like that's yep. all they, they, they gave away yep. for him. Like Hell, even looking at looking at that game, the Monday night football game, they couldn't yeah. use Montez Sweat. That's a hell of a player right there. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing. I, new ownership, I, I hope they don't. Yeah, we'll 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 go on our bum of the week. I don't I don't want to you know, but hopefully they can kind of turn the table on like some other owners that are newer <laughs> in the league as well. So, but yeah, I I mean I think the bigger thing with Dak is I, I think he's had a great year. The, the detractors the piece is they're always going to be like he hasn't gone deep deep into the playoffs. Uh, at some point he's going to have to make a Super Bowl, right? I think that's that's the piece. I think that. Obviously, with Hertz, maybe pushed him past that. Which I, I, you compare those two. I mean, you know, because Hertz has maybe got to Super Bowl. I think that's what people are seeing, right? More so. But I, I think at some point, right? He, Dak's been great, and he's obviously in that MVP discussion. I, I mean, I think he should be. So if he, if he's not, then I think it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you I, you could make again the the point is mostly just like if you wanted to give, you shouldn't have given the MVP to Hertz last year, and it should have been Mahomes. I'm I'm glad it was, but let's not forget they were gonna give the MVP to Hertz over Mahomes last year until he got hurt and missed those couple games down the stretch. But that would have been much more reasonable than giving it to him this year when he has not been very good yet at all on the season, especially compared to last year. But and yeah, we just it's a wide open it's a wide open year. If there was ever a year to give it to a non quarterback, this is the year. Well that's the but. test, right? That's the test. And I, I think that's a good segue for for me to go into the you know Chiefs at, at Raiders game. You know, thirty one seventeen man, first quarter was rough watching that. I think we ran a total of three offensive plays going down 14-0 early um, in the second quarter. But, you know, Mahomes finished 27-34, 298, two touchdowns, zero picks, one sack. He's just so elusive in the pocket. It's impressive. He had that one throw to Kelsey, just kind of over that guy's shoulder to the right. That was ridiculous. 
No, that I was mean, a, that was an outrageous throw. One of the most one of those throws where, you know, we haven't maybe necessarily got as many of those this season because of the offensive struggles, and I think Mahomes has been a little more conservative than in years past. But it's one of those throws he makes where you're like, there's probably not another human you know, player in existence who could have made that throw. Right. And, and I think that this was a great point I heard the other day. It might've been on get up or, or something, but no, it was Chris Long, right? He was talking to Ryan Rosillo and you know, the thing that has really, I think affected the chiefs more so than we, we maybe are talking about is Eric Bieniemy, right? That piece where he made adjustments in some games, look at the commanders, right? Both games this year, they gave that defense hell, man. They 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 scored a lot of points. Look at the adjustments that made that were made at halftime of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that that that's a big piece that you know we we are, you know, with Matt Nagy. I, I do believe he he's efficient. I think he's productive in his job, but there is that piece. The enemy's been, you know, was with the Chiefs for I mean, gosh. <sighs> seven, eight years. I mean, so, well, uh, Mahomes is whole career, which I also think, you know, even if it's, you know, it, it's always sort of a, a blurred, you know, line sort of thing with the chiefs offense, who's contributing what with Andy Reed, obviously right. being the, the main decision maker. But I also, I think it's possible that not only having been with Reed for so long, but being with Mahomes is so long, even just that, extra set of eyes that both Reed and Mahomes just trusted, like get, saying, here's what I saw, you know, yeah. look for this, that that's something that maybe is just lacking this year. Obviously Nagy's been with the team in the past, but not that continuity year in, year out that right. the enemy had with those two. And, and, and that maybe, you know, is, is more so a talking point. Maybe that, you know, that, that they had that great double reverse play to, to Kelsey, mm-hmm. a l- little bit of imagination. I think that's kind of been missing, you know, where they're trying to have a little bit of fun added into it. It's not being disrespectful. It's just Mahomes wants to at some point do a behind the back pass, you know, like he's, yeah. he's the Seth Curry, man. He's a point guard right on, on this offense. Yeah. I, I think the things that really stood out for me was Rasheed Rice. He had 10, I think 10 targets in the game. Eight catches, 107 touchdown. I mean, he's the guy, right? He did have a drop where if you're getting him in motion and moving, he's catching the ball, right? He's got a great catch radius, but if he's like doing a curl route or something and he's stopping his his route, he struggles to catch the ball. It's it's kind of weird, right? You know, it, it uh-huh. more so kind of makes sense, but um, he is 44 catches 527 yards five touchdowns he does have five drops unfortunately but he's had a great year i think the focus is is they're really starting to understand it's kelsey rice pacheco right those are the three focal points we're finally narrowing in things and and just looking at the stats too right it's sky Moore had three targets three catches three for 34 yards that's a great game for him goodness gracious pacheco five catches 34 yards right but he also had 15 rushes, 55 yards, and two touchdowns. We kept screaming for him to get the ball, and you know, instead of Clyde edwards Slayer. But he, you know, at Hilaire did fine, right? Noah Gray again, three three targets. I think he's efficient, right, in what he's doing. Justin Watson had that that touchdown catch, only three tar- targets this game as well, and then MVS one one target. So I think they're really finding their groove of like these are the players that are going to help us succeed. And we need to get 
Rasheed Rice in a drag route. We need to get him into space, get him moving. And he, dude, he is like a freaking running back when he has that ball and he will run you over with brute force. And it, it's impressive. So I he's, think that was his for- dynamic. Go ahead. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, he's a dynamic player when he gets the ball in his hands. And I think, I mean, <clears throat> I think the sort of discouraging part over the course of the season was, you know, you're, we're identifying pretty early on. He looks like he has the most juice, but then he might, he'd have a bad game and the offense would look terrible. But I mean, I think that's your struggle, even with someone who's having a nice season for a rookie wide receiver, the struggle is always going to be with consistency, but that's not necessarily a sign that they're, that doesn't mean that they're not coming on strong or that they're not going to be able to get them going. It's just, you know, May, may have those those off games but I think overall the trend line with Rice over the course of the season has been steadily improving and, and getting better and becoming more of a part of that offense and you know it's just a matter of you know going into December and into January now like can he can he start to have you know those those moments where he's really eliminating the inconsistent games entirely for sure and I think for me we like you said with the defense obviously struggled the first 18, 20 minutes of the game, they finally buckled down, 17 points given up. You know, they, they've been a bright side. I, I, but you're not gaining a lot from the Raiders. They are who they are. You know, Max Crosby played through a knee injury. He was doubtful as well. But I think the, the, the good thing was, hey, we scored in the second half. We, we, we started getting a little bit of consistency, hopefully some momentum going into the Packers Sunday night game. But I, I, I think overall, again, you got to trust him, Mahomes, man, until he, he proven has proved otherwise. I mean, you just it, – it's such a long season. I think that's the point, too. It's a war of attrition, and, and th- there's just going to be so many ebbs and flows and storylines, but the consistent has always been Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> right. Now Taylor Swift. and we will be back with our week 12 review in a second moving on to our week 12 review we've got player of the week jordan love nice congrats jordan I think this is almost like a two to three week award for him, right? You know, we, we try not to pick out the same ones every time, right? Too, because he could have gone Josh Allen, right? Honorable mention in that game, even though he lost. But Jordan Jordan Love was twenty two of thirty two, two sixty eight, three touchdowns, zero picks, had another three rushes, thirty nine yards, a long of thirty seven. He just looked consistent. He's got some, man. He's got some Aaron Rodgers in him, right? With just those those different just area you know arm angles for him but he he seems more i mean he's never really been the thing is is he's never really been like you know he's not a justin fields or a scrambling guy where he's gonna run run all the time he's never like he's never been a huge athlete like that but he certainly over you know through the first you know half of the season it he just did not look comfortable in the pocket, you know, ran sometimes when he shouldn't have. And it seems like, you know, he got kind of to your piece about Rogers where Rogers would, if, you know, just when it would kill you and you're not paying attention to you, he'd 
take off on third and 12 and, and pick up 15 yards. So he, he's, I feel like you're getting a little bit more of that from, from love. And he's also just, he looked a lot more comfortable going, you know, you going on the road to Detroit, they're, you know, hyped up. They're never good on Thanksgiving when yeah. they're hosting that game every year. They're always national TV. Get, everybody's watching. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're always getting their ass kicked on Thanksgiving. This is the year where they're not going to that crowd is rabid. You know, they're loud. They're ready to finally to, you know, get their national spotlight as a top two seed in the NFC. And, you know, they just, the Packers just went out there and, and Jordan Love just stepped on their throats from the beginning, you know, scoring those first two touchdowns on those first two drives that just shut the crowd up immediately. And then the defense gets a score. And then just like that, you're basically in control of the game for the final three quarters. Right. 23 to six at halftime. I mean, it was interesting too. I think there were reports that LaFleur actually wasn't going to call that um, play to Christian Watson at the start of the game. And Jordan Lowe said, no, you're, you should call this right. And it caught him. Right for for a long yeah. time, I think. Uh, yeah. But also it helps that Jared Goff obviously fumbled the ball three times and lost it. But no, I think like you said, that fan base was going to be rabid into Thanksgiving Day. Everybody's all eyes watching this game. Right, Thanksgiving Day, Green Bay, Detroit. So I I think Jordan Love, congrats, my man, player of the week. Just don't do it next week against the Chiefs, please. Hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to let this roll a little bit longer just because our, our bum of the week, our Hunter McMillan special bum of the week, goes to Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. Dave, would you like me to just kind of run down his, his quick coaches that he's had since, yeah, since look, he's been an owner? Sure, surely. I mean, he's only been a, a head coach for what? Or a, rather, an owner for what? Six or seven years? Surely he's only had a couple head coaches in that time, right? Surely, surely. Ron Rivera, right? Uh, 2018-19, 28 games. Game that got him fired. Week 13 versus the Washington Commanders, 29-21 loss. He was obviously there before Tepper got there. Interim was Perry Fuel, four games, 0-4 record mm. in the 2019 rest of the season. That's good. Matt Rule, you signed him to a big deal, 38 games, record 11-27. and 27. Week 5 versus the 49ers, 37-15 loss. Interim, Steve Wilkes, 2022, 12 games, 6-6. Six and six. Not bad, right? Not bad. Well, Play, players, let me know. The players, the players wanted to keep Steve Wilkes as the uh, as the permanent head coach. Just just pointing that out. The players, the players wanted that after, and they what, played what well. What are the for players him. though? Right? What are the yeah? Players what are they players? Fans? They Frank Wright. We we hire him. Give him probably a four or five year deal. I don't really want to look, but games eleven, record one and ten. Game that got him fired. Tennessee Titans last week, seventeen ten loss. And we've got an interim now. Chris Tabor. Godspeed, Chris. That's what it says in the article. That's hilarious. Yeah, but. I mean that that's just incompetence. You you come from the Steelers minority ownership group, right? Where they've had three coaches in fifty years, years or something like that. Yeah. And and now you're just firing them left and right. Like I have all this money and I'm just gonna do this. And now well, he's coming I think- out. I think it's clear that when you look at him, I think it's clear that as a majority owner, I think he he learned much much less from his time as Steelers minority owner and has learned much more from his career as a hedge fund manager because the impatience and impulsiveness is uh, shining through 
quite a lot. And he seems to not recognize why he can't just hire someone and have them win the Super Bowl in the first four games. They're the head coach, which that's David, my man. I can tell you, pay me a hundred million dollars, and I will tell you the secret is you don't win the head co- the Super Bowl in your first eleven games as head coach. You need a damn quarterback, bro. You need a quarterback. Yep. And I love the reports already firing out. Hey, we all wanted Bryce Young. Frank Reich is going to go the other way. Say C.J. Stroud. I love it. I'm going to love it seeing this. But obviously, the appealing part is right. It's an NFL head coaching job. The the part. Yep. And you're probably going to get fired within two years, and then you're just yep. going to get the other extra three, right? So you're going to get free money just just to kind of sit now, sit now, around. But you're not gonna you're not gonna probably get as much of a buyout as if you're you know a power five NCA well power four now I guess in uh, football head coach. But the bright side of it is you can do much less in in the off season, and you don't have to go into the homes of fifteen year old and sixteen year old and seventeen year old kids and recruit them. But now you're not gonna get a seventy five million dollar buyout though uh, as an uh, NFL head coach. But you'll you'll get a ten or a fifteen million dollar buyout and that's pretty good to not work and i assume like scott fitterer or whatever is probably on the hot seat as well their general manager you'd have to be i i I would think but you know enough of this david tepper congratulations you are our bum of the week the carolina panthers owner who thinks he knows everything but he really doesn't know anything honorable mention Honorable mention to the Pats and Giants, though. Amen. Oh, my God. What a terrible game. Amen. We we don't even discuss it, but thank you, Dave. Thank you. Game of the week. Buffalo Bills at Philadelphia Eagles. Was there a better game? I think not. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles won in overtime, 37-34. Dave, what are your thoughts real quick on McDermott not – well, one – Trying to freeze the kicker, which I'm never really a believer in that. And wasting a timeout, you've got 20 seconds. You could have had two timeouts. Would you have tried mm-hmm. to go for for a field goal with Josh Allen? Uh, what, I mean, what are your this thoughts get, on this that? Get, this gets pointed out. This got pointed out a bunch. But if any team knows the value of, you know, the, that you can – have the field driven down on in under 30 seconds and kick a game, you know, a clutch field goal in an important situation. It should be the bills who gave up in 13 seconds, the the field goal to to Mm -hmm. Mahomes and the chiefs a couple of years ago. So you should know what you can do. You should know the, the way that, that Allen was able to move the ball down the field during that game. You know, I I don't know what you're doing. You know, this I could maybe see if this was one of those games where Allen had turned the ball over a bunch of times or the offense was stagnant and you're like, you know what, let's just, you know, take our chances in overtime. But that offense was moving great. I mean, it's one of the best games I think I've ever seen Josh Allen play. If you, you know, if you factor in the circumstances, the opponent, the weather, the you know situation yeah. they were up against playoff wise um you know i mean even if people were not open he was you know picking off 15 20 yards on scrambles there is no reason now obviously we saw the 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 kicker was an issue in that game you know missed makeable you know the basically cost them the game by missing that you know that 48 yarder or whatever it was early in the game you know missed two of his four field goals 
but I don't, you could have at least gotten an attempt off. I think against that Eagles defense, especially when, when we saw how they gave, let the Cowboys march right down the field in a similar scenario a couple weeks ago, you know, I think you could have at least gotten in and to a point where, you know, you make one throw and you can at least try a 60 yard field goal at the buzzer. So and Bass was two or four, right in the game. He did struggle yeah. a little bit, but my thing is this. If you don't trust Josh Allen, we have a bigger issue in a moment like that. And I think that's where McDermott is starting to be found out, where he is uber conservative in a team that he needs to. Like you pointed out about Andy Reid, right? Last week, you were saying, hey, you need to probably go for it in fourth and five and less because your Mm -hmm. offense really isn't as good. Their offense is good. Their defense is not good. So you probably need to take a few more risks and have a few more things instead of saying, well, we need to rely on the run game. We need No, you need to have the ball in your best player's hands all the time, and you need to run, uh, you need to run one play, one freaking play to see where it goes instead of just and, – and Josh yeah. Allen's own six now in overtime. Yeah. I mean, and it just – it just seems like week in, week out, when they get into those close performances and those clutch games, it just seems like McDermott's conservative instincts always end up getting the worst of him. And it, it costs them, you know, week week after week in these situations. And, and it's not like, you know, all the, the high levels, you know, next level stat analysis of Buffalo are like, they're literally one of the best teams in the league. And... They're just being, I think ultimately, you know, there, there've been some situational, you know, just bad, bad timing for situational turnovers by Josh Allen. There, there've been some injuries on that defense, but I think they're ultimately, whether they, you know, make pull a a playoff appearance out of their ass or not, I think they're going to look back on this season and say, you know, we wasted a season of prime Josh Allen. And probably the biggest reason for that is the head coach. And I hope, I hope that if you're the Bills, you know the the front office and the ownership there. I hope that you don't look at this as, you know, what Jerry Jones had a tendency to do with Jason Garrett, who was a, who coached similar, similarly, you know, in his conservatism is, you know, he'd find oh well our you know we had the Romo got injured and missed a ton, ton of time or we had so many injuries on the yeah. defense or this and find a reason to keep him around because I just don't think Sean McDermott, he's taken you as far as he's going to take you. He's a good coach. No, no doubting that he he's kept that, that team together with tons of injuries. You know, he built them up, but I think you're, you've gone as far as you're going to go with, with Sean McDermott as head yeah. coach. Yeah. And it's funny. A buddy of mine is a big Bills fan. He on the, on the soccer field last night at practice, he was like, we're in tenth, you know. We're six and six. We might be one of the best teams ever not to make the playoffs. I'm like, you're not great, then. You're not a good team, right? The stats might yeah. say it, but you're not a great team, unfortunately. Like, if you don't make the playoffs, you're not good. Like, I, yeah. I hate to say that, you know. Where I do think they deserve to, you know, they look, they look like they should be a playoff team, but again, in those moments. I, I, for me, McDermott needs to be on the block. Like, you know, I'm not calling for his job, but I think they, they really need to, or at least him, he really needs to self, self-reflect self and figure out like, hey, how can I be better? Or do I need to hand these things off? 
because obviously just getting to the AFC championship game isn't good enough. This team has higher aspirations to win a Super Bowl, and they're not doing that with Josh Allen prime, you know, prime Josh Allen years, and you're just wasting it. And, and it's unfortunately your head coach. So, but yeah, uh, I, so will that's say, a, I will go ahead. I will say this uh, that not calling the blatant horse collar and instead calling an intentional grounding on the Bills is that is, I. In, it's egregious. I, I, I honestly don't think I've seen a worse call in, in the NFL this season. Not only to just miss the very obvious one and the and the ref was right there. Like that would be bad enough if they missed that horse collar because that should have put them first and in goal inside, you know, the 10 yard line. But to then <laughs> miss that, but then call the intentional grounding that was only precipitated by the horse collar penalty, which also <laughs> was not intentional grounding even by the letter of the book is and which then cost them a a drive that they were going to score a touchdown on and then it pushed them so far back that they were unable to even kick attempt a field goal so they cost i mean that's that it's abs that was an egregious call that was they they get they get calls and i don't want to go again down that either you know uh, my my point is and you'll find out in in the picks later on just i i think philadelphia does everything they need to do to win right that's the second straight game they're down 17 7 at half it makes some, some, I think, adjustments, but I, I know ten and one. They're they're probably not the strongest ten and one team, but until further notice, obviously, you play you play your schedule, and you are who you are with your record, right? And, and I, I know it hasn't been you, the cleanest. It hasn't been. The you best, are who you but, are. You are who you are until you're no longer who you are, and then. All of a sudden, you look back and realize that that was fool's gold, and there were a lot of signs that that was that that was the case. And I think we're looking at that with the Eagles. I mean, fair. We That's were, fair. That's well, fair. How, what was what was the twenty twenty two Vikings record when the they eleven the Cowboys and came in one score games? Yeah, yeah. And also, what was the record on the season when you know when the Cowboys came into when the Cowboys came into Minneapolis and beat the absolute crap out of them i think the the vikings were similar record to the eagles nine and one something like that when that game happened and they were winning the close games and it's like oh well they just find a way to win but if you keep having to find a way to win especially oftentimes to worse teams then and it's fluky scenarios and it's like yeah they played pretty good defense last week against the chiefs but they should have lost because mvs dropped that Right. You know what I'm saying? They did not do yeah. anything to deserve that. Like they, they did not do anything to cause him to, to drop that ball that he, they got lucky because of a fluke circumstance. And those are the teams that oftentimes then get into the playoffs. And then you're like, why are they losing to this team? They're clearly much better than, and it's because there are underlying signs the whole time that maybe this team was not that good to begin with, but nice. kudos to them. I mean, Hertz did not look very good throwing the ball in that game at all, but he, you know, clawed it out and fought and, and hung around he did. And, and they were playing against a team that was going to make some mistakes in, in the clutch and make some conservative decisions. And there say what you want about Sirianni. I think he's in, insufferable, but he is insufferable, but a good coach. He is a good football coach and he plays to win and he's aggressive. So he is. That, that, he is. That's gonna. He, that's gonna be the difference. A lot of the times in the regular season, we'll see about the postseason. Right. Right. And that's our game of the week: the Buffalo Bills at Philadelphia Eagles. And now, finally, for our team of the week, the Green Bay Packers with the win over the Detroit Lions, twenty-nine twenty-two. 
I, I think we've talked about this enough, but any yeah. other, you know, we'll, we'll see them play the Chiefs uh, at Lambeau uh, this upcoming week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that game. But uh, we just want to give a shout out to the Packers who are five and six and back in the playoff picture. And we'll be back with our watchable section after this. Welcome back to the watchable section. We have six on by this week. Go Makes figure. This has just been the weirdest year for buys. One week, there's two teams. I think teams we have two next, next week, too, right? So it's yeah. like only two teams. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they wanted a full slate for Thanksgiving weekend with, you know, the Black Friday game now, too. So the Buffalo Bills, Chicago Bears, Las Vegas Raiders, Minnesota Vikings, New York Giants, and Baltimore Ravens are all at home on their buys and they will be zero and zero this week. Congratulations. Great. Again, our, our point spread is brought to you by DraftKings sports book Thursday night football with a full week of rest. Both teams, Seattle Seahawks at Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by nine and a half over under is 46 and a half. I could have seen this game go to 12, 11, 12 points. Seattle is I, in a tailspin. I, I don't like where Geno Smith's at. I mean, this this feels like a classic trap game to me for the Cowboys. You know, A, you're playing a coach who's wily and whatever the hell Pete Carroll's deal is. Yes, the, the, the Seahawks are playing poorly the last couple weeks. But, you know, you're sandwiched in between a bunch of blowout wins. And then, you know, your whatever chance you have, your, your game of the year, if you want to be taken seriously, and if you want to still have any shot left at the division is next week. I can see, I, I would really honestly consider picking the Seahawks to, to pull an upset on this game if it was in Seattle. The Cowboys are really, really good at home right now. They've won 13 straight games at home dating back to last season. Obviously, they have not played 13 games right, at right. home this season. That would be a record. But... <laughs> Nine and a, nine and a half feels a little high to me, but it's it's one of those things. What do we keep saying when the Cowboys went? When the Cowboys start scoring, they just don't they really win stop. Big. So you know, I think if the Seahawks are going to have a chance in this game, it's it's going to be to establish the run early against the Cowboys, and then they're they're basically their entire passing game revolves around play action. If they're not able to establish the run early against the Cowboys, then the Cowboys aren't going to respect that play action, and then it could get ugly. So I think that's what to watch for as the game starts. 12 would be a little bit much to me. I could see 8 to 10, somewhere in the range of 8 to 10 feels right. Um, I could see it being about a 10-point game. Here's the wins for the Seattle Seahawks this year. Detroit Lions, Carolina Panthers, New York Giants. Arizona Cardinals, Cleveland Browns, Washington Commanders. And then, you know, just last week, PTSD for me of they lost 31-13 to the 49ers. I think they'll play a little bit better. I do agree. You know, nine and a half is a lot. It's a lot against a team. it's, It's a lot against a team that is only two games worse than you in the standings. But Dave, I don't think they can stop anyone. I don't think their defense is as good as we think. 
And I, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think largely, I think largely our opinion of them, you know, over, as a good team has really been largely carried by that blowout win over the Lions, or not the rather the overtime win over the Lions, and we mm-hmm. we gave a lot of credit to that, but not enough, you know, put into that blowout loss to the Ravens where they got just absolutely stomped. And like you said, the win profile is not that good. You know, the, I believe the win over the Browns was not even a, was that a Deshaun Watson game? I don't think it was. I think it was a PJ Walker game. So it wasn't even with the the Browns at full strength at quarterback. You know, I, I think basically that week two win over the Lions is why we still take them seriously. We'll see, you know, they're not even really, we just talked about this in the playoff picture. They, they're, you want to say they'd lose and go to six and six, but that's not going to make them done for the year. You know, they'll still be in the playoff hunt. It's no, not like, no, right. But then they got like do or die. the following week, right? Like Oof. that's the problem. So they're like, shoot, what are we doing here? I'm leaning yeah. towards Dallas in this game because when Dallas wins, they've won big. And, and I just don't know if Seattle and Gino are, are going to have enough. Yeah. I, I just think it, it's, the reckoning the is thing is, for them. The way they have so much talent and that wide receiver position and Tyler Lockett plays the Cowboys very, very well historically over his career, but they have all that talent on and the at wide receiver. And when, when the last time they scored 30 points in a game was what week three against Carolina. And I, I do honestly think you're sort of at the point where you're going to have to score 30 or close to it to, to really hang with the Cowboys. Uh, you the way that offense is operating. Firing so, on all cylinders. Yeah. So that's just I don't what know. I, 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 I could see maybe – I could see it being like one of those games where Seattle, it's a 16 or 17-point game late and Seattle drives down yeah. for a garbage touchdown. That would be my only pause with that. I do think the Cowboys win probably right around double digits, nine and a half. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd have the balls to take nine and a half on that one. Yeah, well, kind of talking me into Seattle, but I I might stay strong in my picks on Dallas Cowboys. Um, so Alrighty. that is Thursday night football with Kirk and Al. Seattle Seahawks at Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by nine and a half. Over unders forty six and a half. And our YouTube TV Sunday tickets. Again, we only have 13 games. Slate, I, I feel like every week kind of says, eh, it's not great. It, it's fine. This week's fine. Um, I won't go to the first of the, the, the marquee matchup, but Denver Broncos at Houston Texans. Texans are favored by three and a half. Over-unders, 47 and a half. At some point, I think Denver and their turnovers that they've, they've gotten on the defensive side have got to just run out. I think this is the week. I like Houston. I like Houston a lot. I think that offense just looks awesome with Stroud. I think that defense will do enough. Russell Wilson, that that Denver offense is not right. It's not good enough, but they're still winning games because of the turnovers. I like Houston, and I'm taking Houston. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Houston as well on this one. You know, uh, Denver – I'm, I'm not really at this point picking this one out of 
anti-Denver, you know, sentiment, which I have been the last couple weeks. I do think they're, this is false and they suck, but they've at least shown, you know, that the defense doesn't really seem to be a fluke at this point, but I do think Houston will be upset with themselves coming off of that, that game last week. You know, it's a game. I think they really, really would should look at and feel like they, they had every reason to win that game, every right to win that game. And they just didn't quite pull it off. And I, I think Tamiko Ryan's will have them fired up. I think they'll win this one at home. He is such a G, man. He looks so smooth on the sidelines, D'Amico. Just calm, yeah. cool, collected the whole game. Like, he's just – it's like he just knows he's preparing for what's coming up, you know, next. And it yeah. just he, – he seems very, like he's just – Very unfazed. Yeah. Nothing yeah, gets to him. Yeah. So, so Denver at Houston. Houston's favored by three and a half over unders 47 and a half. I would probably take the under on that, but we both are looking at Houston as the winners in that game. Our marquee matchup is the San Francisco 49ers at Philadelphia Eagles. 49ers are favored by three in Philly over under is 46 and a half. I am absolutely stunned. Vegas did this. But it makes sense. 49ers are playing better. But Eagles are still 10 and 1 at home in Philly. I've got to say I'm 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 just shocked at that line. I I think that's the thing, is is I'm not shocked at it at all. I think that's about a fair valuation. I don't think there's any way you look at right now what the how the 49ers are playing and how shaky the Eagles are playing. You know, and, and you they don't look like really equivalent teams at this point you know uh, certainly even you know getting three on the road is still you know there's there's some variables in there taking it or not but i i definitely you know i i do i will say i am i think it could be sort of it hasn't really been talked about very much but that loss of talanoa hafanga for the for the season for the 49ers I think that could be a, a really big loss, you know, maybe maybe doesn't cost him this week, but, you know, down the line, that's a player that has, you know, he's still young, but he's a really, really good player and, and has been a dynamic, you know, linchpin to that defense. So I, I think, you know, down the, down the road, I think that could be a tough loss for them overall. But I think more from the standpoint of, I just am not sure that this Eagles offense can can hang with how well the 49ers offense is playing right and, now. And they could have a letdown, right? They've had a tough <laughs> stretch of games here, right, as well. I think the status of Lane Johnson is obviously important. He looks like he probably is playing, so that line is obviously offensive line, right? It is much more – I mean, they're much improved when he's obviously in the lineup. So I think that that, that was a big loss against Buffalo, but – I just think Philly at home. It's hard hard for me to to take the 49ers as favorites at, at home. When I think Philly's, I think but. this is also factoring in the fact the fact that the 49ers will are playing on three more days rest than the Eagles. So you know the Eagles wrap up That's that true. game at what that is a late game, an overtime game on a Sunday night. That game wraps up at what, like 8 p.m. Eastern time. 49ers, least, game, yeah. 49ers had all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday off, you know. So I think, and this is the first of two straight games for the Eagles where their opponent will have been coming off a Thursday game and they're coming off a Sunday game. So definitely something to keep in mind as the Eagles head down the stretch. They're going to be 
at a rest disadvantage against multiple teams, you know, everybody who plays against the 49ers comes out banged up afterwards. So definitely something to keep in mind down the road with the Eagles, even if they, you know, don't drop games maybe against the spread. But I, for me, I just think the Eagles are, are almost due for a let a big letdown game where, you know, it's one of those where, Oh, they'll get it together. They're only down by 10 at half. You know, they overcome that came that the last couple of weeks. And then, you know, seven minutes into the third quarter, they're down by 20. And then it's like, Oh, Ow. yeah. It's like you said, it's going to be a physical game. I do again, have a hard time picking against Philly, but that is the San Francisco 49ers at Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are getting three at the link over unders 46 and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, we are entering the witching hour. Scott Hansen's Red Zone, the watch, the witching hour. We've got three games. One's maybe a stretch, maybe two. <laughs> it's not a lot of great game matchups for this. But yeah. Detroit Lions at New Orleans Saints. Lions are favored by four at the Superdome. Over-unders 46. If they continue to roll out Derek Carr, I mean that's that's the question mark, right? You know what? I, I think the Lions are going to be hungry. Uh, that defense, though, for the Detroit Lions cannot stop anyone. But again, it's Derek Carr. He can't score touchdowns. He loves to throw six. Well, he can to the other team for a pick six. <laughs> so I I don't know what to think of the Saints team because their defense is good enough. The offense, they've got enough weapons. It, it, it's their quarterback. I will say I would be more inclined to pick the Saints in this game, given that awful Lions defense, if those injuries hadn't happened to Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I think Shahid is definitely going to be out with that. Uh, I think it was, I believe it was a groin injury he suffered, a quad rather, against the uh, against the Falcons last week. Olave concussion protocol, so up in the air there. But, you know, I think that definitely limits, especially with Michael Thomas out, their their ability to keep up with the Lions, and that's why I'm leaning Lions on this one. Same Lions. I think they're just going to have a, a bounce-back game after that Packers matchup on Thanksgiving Day. Detroit Lions at New Orleans Saints. Lions are favored by four over-unders, 46. Next game is Arizona Cardinals at Pittsburgh Steelers. Really kind of picking here in terms of – finding something Steelers are favored by five and a half over unders 41 man this Cardinals sucked yeah last week I mean they are who they are right they're two and ten I took them brutal bad bad choice but five and a half is a lot for the Steelers offense <laughs> it is indeed but on the other hand hey they looked a lot better this week with Matt Canada out of the picture I mean, first That's time the they first put time up what, four, over 400 yards, 400 right? in 59 games, I believe. Wow. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Basically his entire tenure as OC. <laughs> That's a Wait, big to back. <laughs> freeze, freeze him up to rejoin his buddy right down the hallway in the uh, joint Steelers pit Panthers practice facility. Pat Narduzzi, who just fired his offensive coordinator. Stop. I will. I will be shocked if that's not who he ends up hiring. Mar- Narduzzi does not like offense. That's amazing. So you leaning towards Steelers? <clears throat> yeah, I'm. I am leaning towards the Steelers on this one. You know, I, 
I want to say I, I did see a lot of things I liked out of that offense this past week. Kenny Pickett looked pretty good. We'll see if it carries over, but I'll give him I'll give him one week of of leeway after this past week. They're they're such Jacqueline Hyde team, man. This team is just they're not good, but they're good enough because of defense and TJ Watt. Um, and I mean, it's just. They're the fifth seed at seven. I don't know how they're seven and four besides me, but I I think I am leaning towards the Steelers at home. Cardinals, I mean, I think they'll keep it close. I think Kyler Murray looks looks healthy. I mean, coming off the ACL, right? Um, They just don't have a lot of weapons for him. Marquise Brown's not really going to get it done. They got Trey McBride, who's gotten a lot of targets as well. James Conner is James Conner, right? So there's just not a lot. Greg Dorch is, I think, one of his second – you know, second receiver. So Steelers would probably make sense, right? When the Cardinals are two and 10. So lean, lean towards those Steelers. Next game is Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Rams. Rams are favored by three and a half over unders 39. Rams look good last week. You know, obviously played the Cardinals. I think Miles Garrett's injury. Is he going to be out? But that's a question, big question mark. Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards, I'm, you know, I was leaning towards the Browns on this one, but I did I did sort of forget about Garrett and Cooper. I almost feel like maybe we we don't trust Joe Flacco until we see what we have. I mean, that could be his corpse, right? The, the Blue Hens corpse yeah. going to FBS football, by the way. Shout out to our, Delaware Blue Hens. Our, our beloved fight. Who are they joining? The Conference USA? Conference USA, baby. We're, we're doing it. Hey. Our attendance in 2022, I say R as if I lived more than six or seven years in Delaware, but I always always have a fun soft spot for them and rooting for them. The, their average attendance in 2022 was higher than 24 different FBS teams was. So they are, you know, they can put bodies in the seats already like a low level FBS program, which is what they will be. So, hey, the money's right. God bless them. I, I, yes, God bless them. I am leaning towards the Rams here. I think that offensive line is a concern for the Rams. Obviously, if if Garrett's somewhat healthy, right, it's a shoulder. So I think that's that's the big issue. But Stafford looked great. They did get the running back, Kyron Williams, back, who had a monster game against the Cardinals. He looks good. So I think the Rams just have enough firepower. Cleveland just cannot move the ball enough. And if Cooper is out, Elijah Moore is going to be their prime target. And he's just... He's Elijah Moore, right, for a reason. So I am leaning towards the Rams on this game as well. Get your turkey. Get some sleepy time ready. We've got two games in this section. we got the Indianapolis Colts at Tennessee Titans. Colts Hmm. are favored by one and a half at Tennessee. Over-unders 42 and a half. I'll tell you what I don't is is care about anything involving the Titans at this point. I'm I'm out on the Titans. I I'm just oh. not interested. I'm taking the Colts. In a weird way, I might be leaning towards the Titans just because Gardner Minshew. But that, like you said, that Titans team is just not good. And that defense that you usually rely on from Vrabel just doesn't have enough pieces. Right? Jeffrey Simmons is fine, but. Yeah, it's this, this, this tough game. I, I, I would probably lean towards the Titans here. I think the Colts without Jonathan Taylor will be interesting, but they still have Pittman. And Shane Steichen has done a 
he should be up for the coach of the year, honestly. Like, he's done an amazing job. I think the Eagles really miss him. I think it shows on their offense, right? So, I think it's it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close. So, it is, you know, with that one and a half points, a pick him basically, I'm, I would lean towards the Titans, Dave Colts. Next game is the Miami Dolphins at Washington Commanders. Dolphins are favored by nine and a half in Washington. Over-under is 50 and a half. I would take the over on that all day. There's not going to be a lot of defense being played. Um, Got it. We, we already saw the, the, the commanders. The good news for the commanders is we already saw their, their defense play so poorly on Thanksgiving that it, it cost Jack Del Rio his job. So at least they can't fire Jack Del Rio after this one, but they may give up 70. They may join the 70 squad against the Dolphins they might, this year. I, right. Even though they might get a DC new hire, not new hire, but new new face like bump. I, I just don't see that happening within this game. I, I think the Dolphins are, are going to easily go over nine and a half points as winners. Honestly, I just don't see a lot of resistance from that. Washington Commanders defense. I think the Commanders offense will be able to move the ball some. Obviously, with Phillips, he tore his Achilles last week. MetLife Stadium, they got to figure that out, man. They they need to go to grass or something because that that that's ranked one of the brutal. worst stadiums. Yeah, brutal. So, but I, I'd only watch this game because I want to see Tyreek Hill try to do some monster, you know, things. And, and I think that offense will just be be on their way to 50, 60 points. Honestly, it, it's very possible. So, Dolphins, you. You as well? Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. <laughs> it's it's time. <laughs> it's Hunter's McMillan's bum rush section of the week. Quickly, we're going to go over the three games that we have. Dave and I are going to pick who we think will win in less than three sentences. Atlanta Falcons at New York Jets. Falcons are favored by two and a half at MetLife Stadium. Over-under is 34. Your first, Dave. I'm taking the Falcons. Gave Bajan the ball. That was good. Falcons. <laughs> Ritter through to Bajan. Give him the ball more. Falcons win. <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers at New England Patriots. Chargers are favored by six. Over-under is 40. Chargers. Offense. No quarterbacks. Patriots. <laughs> Mac Jones. Play as much as possible for the number one pick. Chargers in a landslide. Thank you, Herbert. Last game. Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are favored by five and a half. Over-under is 37. Who cares? Who cares? Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Didn't Baker Mayfield play for Carolina last year? I feel like a few, one of the couple of teams he played for last year. But yes, you're correct. Revenge game, Baker Mayfield, revenge game. I, you know, I'm going to go crazy here. I'm leaning towards the Panthers because they're going to get that bump for the interim coach where it, it just is so weird, but I, I, I'm leaning towards the Panthers because I think the Buccaneers Bulls shouldn't be a head coach, should be a coordinator. That defense has dropped off immensely and that's enough of that, but I, I would lean towards probably the Bucks, but I, I just don't trust them anymore either. They're four and seven. So 
That is our Hunter's Bum Rush, sponsored by Hunter McMillan and his to. What are those? Tostitos, tacos, taquitos. Taquitos. We definitely need to hit them up. Our Sunday night game, our Sunday night game is the Kansas City Chiefs at Green Bay Packers. Chiefs are favored by six and a half at Lambeau Field. Over-under is 42. This is the first game for Pat Mahomes at the historic Lambeau Field. Is uh, not not the best conditions. Uh, we're we're going to be looking at 38 degrees for a high, going down to a low of 30 with a mixture of rain and snow on Sunday. So, I think weather could be an issue in this game. This is going to be a game where maybe we want to see some Isaac Pacheco. Personally, if if it were me, I worry. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, but six and a half might seem a little high for those con- conditions to me. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm totally with you. I think Chiefs win. I think the Packers keep it close enough. The conditions will obviously play, play a huge factor. I just don't see the offense doing enough for the Chiefs to really pull away. I think the Packers' offense will have some success against the Chiefs' defense as well. It'll be, I, I think, a close, tight game. I like the under on this, too, as well with the Absolutely. weather pending. Yeah. Right? Hammer, that, hammer that under. Yeah. yeah I was going to say 42. Yeah. 42 is too high. I think you're looking at – I think we're looking at like a 17-14 type of game, yeah. something and, like and that. And that, that, that D-line, Rashawn Gary's back, right? He, he's done oh, well. He's he, you know, he rushed – Three sacks. Uh, Three sacks yeah. on Thanksgiving Day against the Lions. Yeah, so um, I'm leaning towards yeah, I think the Packers. The Chief, as well. I, I think the Packers cover, but the Chiefs win. Agree, agree. And our Monday night game is the Cincinnati Bengals at Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are favored by eight and a half. Over under is thirty eight and a half. Jags. Yeah, Don't care. Jags. Yeah, Jags. I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch this while I'm falling asleep, but Jaguars. I think they've got a little bit of going. I think they need to throw the ball a little bit more to Ridley. Honestly, he looks. Yeah. He looks pretty good, but I, I do think Jacksonville covers eight and a half. And we'll be back in a second. Our Lee Corso locks of the week are here. Nine, two, and one. That's a pretty darn good record after. Thir- it is. What? Yep, 12 weeks, wow. right? Yeah. Yeah, 12 Math weeks. Is, Dave Math is 5, is 6, and 1. Yeah, not bad. I'm on a, I'm a little streak here. Dave's 5, 6, and 1. Last week he had the Philadelphia Eagles. He was off by a half a point. I'm so sorry. The Bills did cover. They lost by 3 in overtime. I had the Chiefs at 8.5. They won by 14. I was a little worried at the start of the game, but then they pulled away at the end. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins at nine and a half at the Washington Commanders. I think that offense with, with a little bit of extra rest, obviously the Commanders had rest too, but that, that they're, they're depleted in the defensive, especially backfield. I, I think Waddle, I think Tyreek Hill, I think Mostert, I think they just run all over them all day long. I do worry a little bit about that Dolphins defense, but I think the Miami Dolphins cover by more than nine and a half points, probably 14 to 17 points they win by. I like Miami. Put it down for my Lee Corso lock of the week. I don't have my Dolphin head, but let's go Dolphins. Wow. A bold pick. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions by, you know, favored by four points at the New Orleans Saints. I just think those injuries 
for the Saints. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to take advantage of that Lions offense, of that Lions defense struggling. Doesn't I haven't seen indi- any indication that that Carr is really in too much of a jeopardy. And I think the Lions, with that extra rest coming off the Thanksgiving Day game and a, a humiliating performance really on Thanksgiving Day, they come out fired up, um, upset, and, and trying to come back and take that, come back and take get back into the, the hunt for that one seed or maybe a two seed and the prize to pay to play Josh Dobbs in the first round of the playoffs. So I'm taking the, the Lions minus four. And those are our locks of the week. Take the Dolphins, take the Lions, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our Lee Corso locks of the week. And it's finally time for a week 13 picks. Last week, three and two. Dave was two and three on the year. I am 31, 28, and two. Dave is 29, 30, and two. We're, we're pretty close here. So this week, there's one or two games that I think are the difference that, that we have different. Last week, Pitt, Jacksonville, Atlanta hit for me. Dave, you had Pitt and Jacksonville as well. Killed us was the Philly. And wait, you got, shoot, I'm sorry. You picked Baltimore, huh? Or did you move it? Uh, I'm so sorry, my friend. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, no, I, I picked Baltimore, yeah. Yeah, shoot. So you were three and two, too. So, well, I am sorry about that. Jeez. How dare we're you? We're doing this live. Stop, it. Stop this the steal. Right Stop the steal. <laughs> I know. So you, Dave is 30, 29, and two on the season. Ooh, Our first ooh. game. It's neck and neck, man. We've been tight. We've been 500, but we're tight. So our first game of the year, or week 13, excuse me, Atlanta Falcons at New York Jets. Atlanta. I'm taking Atlanta on this one. The Jets are bad. Jets are real bad. And they're starting Tim Boyle again. Enough said. Mm. Denver Broncos at Houston Texans. Texans are favored by three and a half. I just think it's time for Denver to take a little bit of their own medicine. I think Russell Wilson has a rough game, even though Houston Texans defense isn't the most amazing defense. They're pretty average, I think. Shot's going to have another big game. I don't think they're going to turn the ball over as much. I like Houston by three and a half or more. By four. Big bounce back game for Houston. Broncos finally cool off a bit. Detroit Lions at New Orleans Saints. Detroit is favored by four at New Orleans. We know Dave has Detroit as his Lee Corso lock of the week. I'm going to go with him as well. Detroit Lions bounce back. Jared Goff, I think, is ready to not fumble the ball this week. The Saints defense will put up a little bit of resistance, but I do like Detroit in this game. Amon Ross St. Brown will have a huge game as well as hopefully Jamar Gibbs. Our marquee matchup, San Francisco 49ers at Philadelphia Eagles. 49ers are favored by three. Dave. I'm taking the 49ers. I I think the Eagles luck runs out this week. The 49ers are just, I think, to me, a better team, which maybe the Chiefs are, maybe the Chiefs aren't. The Eagles are probably better than the Bills, but, you know, they got the job done in this game. The 49ers, to me, clearly a superior team. They go on the road and win in Philly. I'm going to go Philly because I think they're going to use that as a little billboard material as well. At home, Philadelphia Eagles plus three. I like the Eagles until they can prove me wrong. Ten and one. Go Eagles, go. Not really, but 
on our final game, Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Rams. I see Dave switch his pick. The Rams are favored by three and a half. I like Rams. I, I just can't trust that Cleveland Browns offense with Amari Cooper probably out. DTR is probably out. And then as well as Miles Garrett is going to be a probably we'll see later on in the week. Don't make sure to double check that as well. I like the Rams in this game. Yeah, I talked myself out of the Browns with all those injuries and with the 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 uncertainty around possibly dead Joe Flacco. So I'm going to go with the Rams on this one. So put money on Atlanta, Houston, Detroit, and the Rams, and then you decide Philadelphia or San Francisco. And those are our week 13 picks. Dave, another great episode. Really looking forward to week 13. I mean, we're coming down the stretch. Let's savor every last week, even if it's a terrible weekend of games like this one. I'm, I'm excited for it nonetheless. Got some some conference championship games in college. We got some we got some football games in the NFL of of unclear caliber. We got some Scott Hansen. He'll make it all right for us. And uh, you know, happy football, my friend. Always does. Happy football, everyone. Sounds right.